Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. We're your hosts. I'm Kim France. And I am Jen Romolini. And today we've been talking about how uptight we are. <laughs> I know, like stealthily uptight, because I don't think the people who don't know me well would think that I'm as uptight as I fucking am. But you were just telling me about, I was talking about how I can't stand all the food is not warm at dinner. <laughs> and you were saying, well, I find that the period of time in between when you get your menu at a restaurant and when they take your order, like if that takes longer than it should, I just become a wreck. I become a wreck. I can't have conversation. I can't focus on anything. Some people get that way about the check. If it takes too long for the check to come, I'm not that way. If they don't come take my order and it's kind of, you know, restaurants are one group of businesses that haven't really recovered from COVID. Like every time you go to a restaurant, it's a little janky usually. It's weird. Well, because I think, and I don't know if this is true. I've done no research into this, but I imagine like I was a waitress for 10 years and by like year five, I was excellent at it nobody waited to get their drink order taken. I knew how long that time amount once. I knew how long it was before you had to greet a table because if you didn't greet them right away, the whole relationship was doomed or you were going to have to do a lot of tap dancing. It's really a skill and the timing of it is a skill, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of people just left those hospitality jobs. Yeah, And I feel like there's just so much like new blood but that drives me, that specific thing, like the waiter has not come over yet, drives me also wild because I feel like I can't start a conversation. It's not because no. I'm like some asshole. It's because I'm like, well, 
until we we're going to be interrupted. So if I, I can't engage with you until I know when that interruption's coming, <laughs> this is neuroses is what this is. This is, this is neuroses. Um, we, we got a comment a couple of weeks ago that I've been, that I can't, they can't get out of my mind, which is now it's just going to be so self-conscious this whole conversation, which is, it was like, just got bored of EIF just got bored of Kim and Jen. And I was like, Oh, where was that? It was in an exit. It was in an exit interview of our Patreon. Someone stopped being a patron and like, had to, like decided to fill, you get a notification on Patreon. If someone has, you know, stopped being a patron and, and if they give you like an exit survey, you also get a notification for that. And I check that, you know, fair with some frequency. And, um, especially cause if people are asking us questions over there, I want to make sure that I'm answering them. And anyway, I got this and it was just like, yeah, just done with them. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. I know. And I was like, I don't think I don't, this is what it is. If you're just bored with it, there's nothing I could do. But now yeah, there's not a yeah, thing. If, yeah. if this is a flavor you don't find appealing, you're not going to find it appealing by listening to it more. No. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, I'm, I'm cilantro. If you don't like it, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you're one of those I know. What's another like food? <laughs> yes. Yes. What's another food like that? Cause that's what I am. Um, wait, okay. There's, so there's cilantro and then I, I don't know. I mean, olives is not as good, but I do feel like half of the world likes olives and half of the world does not like olives. True. Do you like olives? I do like olives. I do too. But Alex despises olives. Like you can't put it, not, don't put an olive near anything. I'm just like, how could you not, first off, you're fucking Greek, but second off, <laughs> how could you not like this delicious briny food? It never makes sense to me. Well, there are people who don't like like your olives and your anchovies yes, and yes. your capers. There are people who just yes. don't go for that kind of briny, sour flavor. Asparagus is another one people are yeah. weird about. I'll, you know, I'll eat asparagus. I will buy asparagus and it will rot in my refrigerator. There is asparagus rotting in my refrigerator as I speak. Here's the thing about asparagus. You cannot prepare it the way the restaurants prepare it. It's just, it always, it always comes out tough for me. It's never correct. I always just chop it and throw it in a stir fry. That's a good idea. I only like asparagus when they're grilled and you just got to the very heart of the problem, which is that there is only so effectively I can grill asparagus in my oven. No. I mean, what are you going to have a George Foreman just for your asparagus? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I saw a movie this weekend. I can't stop thinking about. Oh, tell me about it. Triangle of Sadness. Oh, I don't even know what that is, but it sounds like something I I relate to. <laughs> I don't remember the name of the director. I believe that the director is Swedish. This movie won the Palme d'Or at um, Cannes. Mm-hmm. It's gotten some pretty, you know, mixed reviews, but I don't want to give a lot away, but it's about it's about some people on a luxury cruise. Okay. Okay. And it's a very, um, you know, it's a very eat the rich kind of vibe. Oh, my favorite, my favorite. Yes. But it is, it, it, you know, I give it maybe a four out of five. I don't give it a five out of five, but it is so funny. Yeah. It is so funny. And for my money, like what I can never get from what's the name of that show that just came back on the air. That's about rich people at resorts. Oh, white Lotus, white Lotus. What I can never quite get for myself from white Lotus. Mm -hmm. I feel like I got from this movie. 
That's so funny you brought up White Lotus because I was just going to bring up White Lotus because a White Lotus, the first season of White Lotus was just a a dog whistle I did not hear. I just could not. Everyone Me was neither. Like, I mean, I've had people like straight face, like people I like and respect say that was the best television I've ever seen. Yeah. I don't understand that either. And I'm like, that was not my experience of it. Although I will say, and I don't know if it's just because it's set in Sicily and I'm just so enjoying being in Sicily with these people. I don't know if it's because it's Michael Imperioli, who I really like a lot. And I don't know if it's because there's this character Aubrey Plaza plays that I relate to very much. I am liking this season. I mean, I've only watched like three episodes, I think. I am liking this season a lot better than last season. Hmm. And maybe it's because my expectations were so like just at bottom. I was like, oh, I'll try because everyone's talking about this one like it's genius too. Um I think they're doing a more effective job this year at showing wealth than they did last year. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the first season just felt to me like, really? That like there's so much interesting and smart satire about the rich out there and, and the divide between the rich, you know, the, the haves and the haves nuts. Like this is the best we can do. It felt so on the nose to me. It was just, it just felt like caricatures, like yeah. Connie Britton as the girl boss. You know what I mean? Right, <laughs> it was right, like, right. It just was very much like the teenagers didn't, nobody felt like they were real people to me. And mm. that's how these people would relate to each other. Not, not one, like even, um, Oh God, what is his name? Jake, whatever his name is that the, the couple, the young couple with the, with the rich oh, yeah, mom, yeah, yeah. Molly Shannon, none of them felt real. They just felt very two dimensional to me. Whereas this season, actually there are these two wealthy tech couples who have gone, um, the, the guys are two t wealthy tech executives and then their wives and Aubrey Plaza plays like a very kind of over everything wife. And the other one is just kind of like perky, you know, whatever these, for some reason, these couples, they feel like people I, I understand I've met their issues seem real to me so far. I mean, I might shoot, I might, I might disagree with this in, in like one more half hour of this show. But um, right now I'm really enjoying it. And also Michael, like I said, Michael Imperioli is just nice to see him again in something outside of the Sopranos. I, I like him a lot. Yeah. And Jennifer Coolidge, you know, I'm actually, Jennifer Coolidge was my favorite part of the first season of White Lotus. And this time I'm like, okay, this is a little, you're dialing her up so far that mm -hmm. you're like losing what she's really good at actually, which is nuance. Yeah. I just, I just saw the, the funniest her. She was so hilarious in best in show. Oh my God. I haven't seen or thought about that in so long. She plays like a trophy wife to a man who's like, you know, 90, 100 years old. And she gives that monologue where she's like, people say we don't have a lot in common. We actually have a lot in common. We like soup. We like talking. And we like not talking. We could sit together and not talk or talk for hours. It's, I don't even know I'm trying to imitate her because she's so fucking funny. Oh, she is. And she seems like she's... um. She seems like she's that good in person too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like she just seems, I don't know. I really like her. Um, I am reading. 
I think my favorite book of the year, which I probably should save for our best of issue, but I'm going to tell you that it is, it is my fucking, it is, do you ever come upon a book and you're just like surprised and you're like, I can't believe how good this book is. Like I'm, you're mad at it. Cause you didn't write it. You're just like everything about mm-hmm. it. You're just, it's called, um, girls they write songs about, and it's by, um, Carlene Bauer. Mm-hmm. And it is about two friends who work at a music magazine and then in publishing in the late 90s, early 2000s. Oh my God, I'm getting chills. I mean, you'll die. And it's so fucking well done. The writing is, is oh, the writing is so crisp and it's so good. And it's just like, wow, I've never heard that described like that before, but that's exactly how that should be described. I like it so much. I'm reading it and simultaneously listening to it because whoever the voice actor is who reads this audiobook is so good that I'm enjoying both experiences. Wow. I know how exciting, right? Like that never happens. I'm so excited. I really, I really want to read that book. I wonder what, what's this woman's background? You know what? I really should look her up more. I'm too mad at her for writing this book to, to look her up. Like I'm so, (laughs) I'm, I can't because you're going to feel the same way. It's, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of these experiences are going to feel very familiar to you as well. I suspect, I know she worked at L, but I don't know where else she worked, but she Mm -hmm. really describes there's this, they're, they're two really, really close friends, really, really ambitious, trying to make it in their twenties in New York publishing. And, not neither of them wanting kids or to get married, a feminist, you know, fucking just fucking everybody and writing and all their ambitions is like going into the writing and also sleeping with men. And it's just like, it's the best. It describes every part of New York, the 10, 10 mm-hmm. wins of it all, you know, all of it. Yeah. And then as the book goes on, it gets into their thirties and one of them starts to want a more conventional life and the other one's kind of left not wanting that. And Mm. it's fucking great. Wow. Well, and also that's sort of what, you know, that is what happens. Friendships in your twenties are very passionate, very, you know, very romantic, you know, even if they're not, you know, just very romantic and, and the, the bond you feel does feel like a, a real connection in a way that, um, friendships lose some of that. Friendships lose some of that. Even close friendships, even friendships that are really solid just change as you get older. And it's, you know, and it's not giving anything away because she gives it away right in the beginning. She says she starts talking about the character Rose, who's her, who's her best friend during this time. And um, she says something like, she's saying, we, we, we. And she says, you know, we are, we are no longer friends, but it gives me comfort to call us we even now. And I was just like, oh God, like all the friendships you just, that just like faded away because they were situational. They faded away. No, it's true. You worked with someone or you were dating somebody who was good friends with someone. And I mean, I have people in my life who I hear from, you know, I heard from a lot of people when I got engaged. And it's very poignant, you know, when yeah. you get to that point where yeah. someone texts you, congratulates you, whatever, you you, you go back and no, forth a little right, bit, neither of you says right. anything about getting together, you know, because you've done that. And you, you know, we all have the friends we can pick up with very easily, but that's not the case with everyone. No, it's not. Or with every friendship, you know, it, 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 they're all, you know. And, you know, I tend to be 
I can be a little overly idealistic about these kinds of things. Like, and I tend to be the one who's like, yeah, let's get together. And then like crickets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's like, really the truth is that that relationship is in the past. It is. And you just can't bring it into the present. And that is such a weird feeling, right? It is a weird feeling because you can see somebody and still feel all the fondness you ever felt for them and know that you don't like the content bearing seal was broken, you know? Totally. Like, I just don't have a, I can talk to this person. We can maybe even talk engagedly, but it's not the same. I have, I have a really good friend from who lived in New York. We lived in New York together at the same time. And we share, this is so corny, but there's like this recipe that is like a foolproof bring to somebody's house two potato gratin recipe. And I made it first for her and she wanted the recipe. And so we've been sort of going back and forth the years that we knew each other. She would be like, oh, I'm bringing the potatoes, of course. And you know, whatever. And this year when for Thanksgiving, I couldn't find the recipe, like Epicurious had like taken it down. And I was like, fuck, who knows where this recipe is? And I contacted her and I was like, hey, do you have that recipe? And I sent her like a nice email around it. And she knew that it was urgent enough that she texted me right away. She was like, here it is. I'll get back to you on the email later. And she didn't get back to me on the email, but of course we had like, you know, that's it because there's no, there's no, there's no friendship in this current life. And it's, that's weird. That's fucking weird. But in the course of looking for the recipe, I looked through messages, emails from 10 years ago, Mm. which didn't even feel that long ago, but it's long. 10 is long. Oh God, time is moving so fast, Romolini. I know it's like the most cliched, you know, like I'm bored of Kim, I'm bored of Jen. Like that yeah. would be number one with a bullet, <laughs> me talking about how fast time is moving. But time is moving fucking fast. It's December. I know. I know. This year went fast. I mean, I did, I did a lot this year, but I will say this. My child is going to be a teenager next year. Mm. That is wild to me. Also, someone with a child, my child's age, was telling me that their child, who is going to be 13, has started smoking and smoking pot. Oh, wow. I almost passed out. I was like, fuck, man. I'm like barely through this other stage. I can't be handling <laughs> that shit. I mean, luckily mine is seems to currently knock all the wood, be just dorking out over like old sitcoms right now. And like, right. you know, but God, I mean, talk about time. I know. I know. I know. I mean, I was looking at that baby when I went back when we were having Thanksgiving, I was looking at the baby who came to our Thanksgiving and then looking at my nephews, you know, because my nephews are all like the youngest one is 15. Two of them are in college. Yeah. They're like men. They're like young men. Yeah. And they were just like little eensy little shits not that long ago. Yeah. And like little shits too. Like, you know, like a 10 year old little shit and you're like, oh, come on. And now they're like (laughs) adults. It's crazy. It's like, it's, uh, yeah, it's really been, um, it's really been a lot. It's been, it's been a lot thinking about that kind of stuff. Um, and holidays really bring that up. The holiday season really brings that stuff up, like how different your life is and, I don't know, just constantly reinventing things so that you're not in a, in a rut. Like, okay, well, we don't have to do things the way we always do. Maybe that doesn't work anymore. It's okay to move on, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. I mean, a lot of things in my life shifted, you know, at a time when I needed them to, 
um, when I met Paul, just because, because there are so many things I do now that are his things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so my life has a different shape in it than it did before. No, I was thinking, um, I'm not going to be home for Christmas for the first time since my child was born because, you know, my child doesn't believe in Santa anymore. And if I want to see my sister, I should be going to her and now she's across the country and she has little kids. Like you can't, if you celebrate Christmas, it really fucks them up to be like, oh yeah, we're going to leave the house. Where's Santa going to come? Like you kind of have to, if you're doing the whole Santa thing, you have to stay put. It's just like a either do it or not. (laughs) But like, it's, it's hard to be like, oh yeah, Santa knows we're on vacation. Like, it's just like, it's like, you know, whatever. It's, it's yeah, no, I find it. I find the whole Santa thing just hilarious and amazing. I read an interview or read something about how Kristen Bell and her husband just told their kids straight up from the beginning, there is no Santa. It's so weird. Just told them. They were like, we're not, we're not taking part in this ridiculous charade that there is Santa. I mean, we kind of, we did like a half-ass thing of it, you know, because I mean, we, we kind of did a half-ass thing of it. I, I was lucky enough to have a really skeptical child who was not, I was not going to have to create a big fantasy for that. Then they would be devastated to find out the truth. Like Charlotte mm-hmm. would never sit on Santa's lap. Charlotte, <laughs> smart Charlotte. Charlotte was just like, well, and they don't even do that anymore, but you sit next to them. But I just have pictures of Charlotte in the, in the Santa picture, which you do for grandparents if you're whatever. And it's just the guy being like, no, no, you turn around. And Charlotte being like, I have like five seconds with this dude. I'm facing him and having a conversation. <laughs> That's just good thinking. Back to camera. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, so I was never like, I did the, I did the tooth fairy. I like typed letters in like comic sans font. So it looked like, you know, the tooth fairy's handwriting. Like I, I tried to keep up like some fantastical, you know, elements of, of my child's childhood. But I, I, in some ways I was fortunate enough to just have a kid. It was like, this isn't real. There's no way a fairy comes in and takes my teeth. <laughs> like, yeah, no. I mean, I guess I'm I I sound very curmudgeonly because I can understand why it is meaningful to fill a child's life with wonder. Yes. And things like Santa and the Tooth Fairy are, you know, things of wonder. Yes. Yes. And perhaps I would, you know, I would have a different opinion of it if I if I had actually ever had any children. But um I don't know. Christmas just it's so it's just it's a sucky I, I don't hate it when Christmas comes, but I just don't like it very much. I don't like, I don't like Christmas colors. Okay. All right. Fine. 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 Okay. What else? We could keep going. <laughs> I don't like Christmas lights unless they are monochrome. Wow. I think that the colors of Christmas are very tacky and very goyish. <laughs> they are. That's the whole point. <laughs> I know. But like, I grew up in like Houston, Texas in the seventies, you know, when it was still like, you know, it's a sophisticated city now. It was a little bit of a backwater then. Yeah. But like I grew up in I, I grew up in a neighborhood where, you know how you'll see those signs that say like, you know, they have one at the North Pole and it's like Milan, five thousand miles, yes, New yes, York. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> they had those signs up all over my neighborhood I grew up with in Houston, these wooden signs, but pointing to all the churches in the neighborhood. Wow. Okay. Okay. Like I grew up in a place that just assumed. Right. Um, we don't have to talk about this any longer though, because I have other topics I want to go to. 
Go ahead. I, I, I don't. <laughs> One of which was something you said on a recent episode about um, how Ray Bradbury said you should read one essay, one short story, and a poem every night, and your brain will be filled. For a thousand nights, yes. For a thousand nights, and your brain will be full and brimming mm-hmm. with ideas. Yes. And, you know, short stories, that's easy for me to do. And essays, I can figure those out. But poetry, you know, poetry, which is something I have a little bit of a um, mental block about because my former husband was a poet. Mm. and really an irritatingly poet. And I don't like poetry all the time because I find it, you know, the purposeful obtuseness of it very frustrating. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then there are some poets I like. Like I do like Gerald Stern, who recently died, and Mary Oliver has beautiful poems. But I was thinking I would put it to our listeners Mm -hmm. to suggest some poems and some poets, rather, that you like. Yeah, I mean... I, I similarly struggle with poetry, but then when I find something, I'm like, oh, like I love Adrian Rich. You know, I like, mm-hmm. Ray, I like Raymond Carver's poetry a lot. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's some people that I like, but yeah, I don't even know. Actually, there was the other day I saved the Times, the Times book review because there was, and I don't know where it is in my office that is actually a fucking hoarder, hoarder's nest, but I saved the book review because there was a poet, there was a poetry collection I wanted to read. Um, and that was the thing I wanted to do. <laughs> and it's just in this hoard somewhere. I don't know. Um, no, that is interesting. And also we're going to have a books episode coming up and maybe we can talk about poetry a little bit there. Um, we're also going to do a best of roundup. So, you know, hold on to your hats, everybody. We're going to do a <laughs> yeah. best of the year roundup. Yes. Very exciting. Let's take a quick break from some ads. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin. And I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule essenced with soothing vanilla. 
I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry leading sustainability standards. You know, I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Ah. Okay. So you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25% off. And we're back. I've been thinking about something that is not, is not, is not, we've been just talking about all kinds of heavy things. I'm going to talk about something frivolous, holiday party outfits. What the fuck? Okay. I'm going to give you my secret. Yes. Go. Which I put on, I put it on, on girls of a certain age every year. I do a post called a party in a top. Okay. And okay. the reason I do this post is that I discovered some years ago that if you go to a crowded holiday party or any crowded party, really, all anybody sees of you is you from the waist up. Okay. So all you really have to worry about is a really good top. Okay. Fair, fair fuck enough. But that suggests that you have a bottom. You can't be naked on the <laughs> bottom. No, but you, you can make the bottom pretty straightforward, depending on how fancy the party is. It can be jeans. It can be like skinny black pants. It can be a skirt. Sure. But you need to have that. You need to own that piece that fits you. Like I had a friend text me this morning and she was like, you know, SOS, I have a wedding to go to in three days. I thought my fancy clothes still fit me. Like there's some weird dress code for the wedding that it's not black tie. It's semi-formal, but also it's in Mexico and they want everybody to be dressed in bright colors. And it's just like, it's just like all these requirements. And she was like, I thought I had it, but none of my fancy clothes fit me anymore because you know, this is just what happens because even if you're the same size, it's everything's in a different spot. Yes, it's it's true. So, so anyway, so I, I happen to have like a, a red silk jumpsuit that is going to, I think work for her. But, um, the, the idea that you just have in your closet, just waiting for you, this staple, this pair of black pants, this, this skirt, this, whatever it is, we, a lot of us don't have that anymore post pandemic. Like, yeah, I don't know if I have like a, a decent pair of like you know, nice black pants. I mean, I know I don't. Yeah, I don't either. I don't. I and don't I, either. And that's kind of a thing you need to pull off anything we're suggesting, you know, or like a very nice pair of jeans. Yeah. I found I wore, um, I was like, oh God, what am I even going to wear to Thanksgiving? I don't know. And I found um, I had this Samantha Pleat silk black jumpsuit that I've been talking about. And I it was its, uh, it was its maiden voyage. And I had like a, um, a gold chain link belt that I found that's kind of like stretchy and that made the outfit and I wore it with, um, I wore it with a pair of patent leather loafers. And I was like, if I get invited to anything else, which that's the other thing, it's not like I'm getting invited to a million things, but if I get invited to anything, this, this can work, this can be dressed up and down, but it's, yeah. I think black silk really is kind of sophisticated and sexy. Like black silk blouses are really nice, you know, even with a little shininess. I like that for yep. holidays. But it's it's 
it's not what it once was, is what I'm saying. What what once was? The the holiday dressing. I feel like it was just like it was just like sexy and fun and sequins and blah. I just like I feel like I had an easier time. Here's a feather. Like it was just <laughs> like now it's like, well, what what is the party look that's not matronly? Well, it's hard. When you're young, you're like, oh my God, that's a fun and sexy top. I'm gonna wear yes. that fun and sexy top. And then you get a little older and it's like, oh yeah, the fun and sexy top no longer hangs on me the way it used to. Yeah, yeah. And it's very hard to know what, I mean, I end up feeling like all I'm doing is creating a big, like, like creating an outfit that allows me to disappear. Yeah. Wait, tell me more about that. Not that allows me to disappear, but that does not like, does not say, oh, look at Kim. Right, right. Okay. You know, it's like, it's like um, nothing to see here. Just a... 58 year old lady in big glasses. No, this is not acceptable. I don't, I, re- <laughs> I reject this notion. Equally, though, the fancy things that looked cute when I was young look fucking like mother of the bride now. I mean, this has been on my mind a lot lately because I think I'm overdue for another closet edit. Okay. And, you know, I have things like that still in my closet. They're just like, they don't fit. Right. Or they don't look the way they used to look. Right. And I don't, I have, I feel so, I don't know how to go. I don't know how to dress for a party now. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I just wear a button down and I have, I do have a lot of silk tops that I do like wearing in the winter. Cause I think mm-hmm. they're a good layer for the winter. Mm-hmm. And if I put on a silk top with jeans, I just, I don't, you know, I think about it when I'm like on tour with the kids and they're putting on their amazing outfits to go on stage and I'm not going on stage, but I'm like in a button down and a pair of pants every day. No. And I tried to buy, um, you know, I was talking about those silver lame pants. I tried to buy, I bought it. I didn't try. I bought a pair from anthropology <laughs> that somebody actually had found and sourced on our Facebook group. And I was like, Oh great. That seems right. And I took them out of the bag. They came and it was so fucked up because things just fit me weird now. Right. So these pants were both too tight and too small at the same time. It was like, they hugged every sort of lump on the side of my thigh, which fine, who cares, but in an unflattering way, really tight, but then we're kind of baggy on the waist and the butt. They were just a, like a pants catastrophe. It was like so disappointing. Cause I was like, this is going to be it. This is, this is going to solve so many problems, but no. Well, it was a very tall order Romolini lame <laughs> pants. And I think that, I think that like, if something's going to be lame, it has to be on a certain kind of fabric that doesn't lend itself to pants. You might be correct, man. You might I'm be making correct. this up, but it sounds right. You might be right. I will just tell you that I put these on and I was, I mean, it was so horrifying because it also, the waist was really tight. The waist was really high, like right under your ribs and really tight. So it was also a thing of like that they were uncomfortable but then baggy, it was just <laughs> fucking everything. Like I couldn't wait to return them. I was just like, oh my God, just get out of my house. Just get it off my body. Get it out. Get it out of here. I never want to see it again. Um, but uh, anyway, we have a lot of listener questions. So if you want to do that. Let's do them. Okay. Let's do them. It's that time. Okay. What is the last thing that made you cry laugh? I can't remember what the last thing that made me cry laugh was, but I'm certain that it was my brother, Mike, who made me cry laugh because he's the one person who can reliably do that. Mine, similarly, I think this was the last time I cry laughed. My sister and I were in a restaurant and we were ordering dessert and we were like, oh, should we get 
you know, should we get the really decadent thing? Should we get this thing? Should we get this thing? And we ordered like the healthy thing. (laughs) I don't even remember what it was to be honest, but it was like a healthy tart or something. Uh And we each took a bite of it and it was so inedibly disgusting. That we just like looked at each other and started laughing so hard. We just could not stop crying. And then we were like, we, should we take another bite? Is it us? And it was, like, <laughs> it was like so revolting. We like, we couldn't believe someone had served it to us. And I, I mean, I'm laughing, crying, just thinking about it. I think this was two years ago. <laughs> like I still can't. That's hilarious. Oh my God. Okay. All right. Next question. What is your go-to gift that you send to people who are out, who you are obligated to acknowledge, but you also don't care much about over the holidays? Well, an upside to being a Jew is that you don't have to deal with much of that. Okay. But I do, but there are certain gifts that I go to for people. Yes, me too. I like those, Come to Garçon makes little pouches, like wallet size pouches that come in really handy to have in your bag. And it's like, you know, a designer thing, but you can get them for around a hundred dollars, a little bit less for some of them. So that's a good one. I'm a believer in sending someone a plant. Nice. Nice. You know, if they're not, if they're a plant person, they'll be happy. If they're not a plant person, it'll just live a slightly shorter life and still be, (laughs) it's very hard though. People are, gifts are so hard. I love gifts. Well, you're an excellent gift giver. You were an excellent and thoughtful gift giver. Well, it's only because when I hear somebody, because I love buying things. And so when I hear somebody say something, I'm like, oh, I could get them that. And then I, or I write it down. Like I, I'm, I, I like giving gifts, but I Sephora gift cards, I feel because they just come into your inbox. It's just easy. Who doesn't want a $50 gift card to Sephora? Every, True. I mean, most women want a gift card to Sephora. That's one. A little bit fancier. I similarly do the Claire V um, pouches. Claire V mm-hmm, is the mm-hmm. same as the Comte de and you can get them with the initials on it, and that's right. you know, monogrammed. And so that's really nice. Um, there's these fancy pears. Sounds so stupid, but there's this company that makes fancy pears, and I'll look it up and put it in the show notes. They're fucking delicious. These pears, and every year Alex's dad gets us these pears, and. At first, I was like, I can't believe your dad gives you pears, but they're actually really, really good. And I've given those to people like just this very delicious, like little case of pears. It's like a nice thing to get. It's not something you think of. I think a food gift is a thoughtful gift. Yeah. Olive oil, really expensive olive oil, which is not actually that expensive is also Mm -hmm. an excellent gift. I think Mm -hmm. that's the, that's my sort of arsenal. But like when I was the boss of, um, Stat when I worked for women's websites and I had a staff that was all women, um, I gave Sephora gift cards because it's just you can't kind of go wrong and it doesn't have to be that much money. We used, to, I mean, it's hilarious to think about now, but we used to give hundred dollar Barney's gift cards to everyone at Lucky. Totally, totally, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. God, the Condé Nast gifts were good. Those like weird gifts. They were actually good. Like the the ashtray. The, the gifts they can the, the company gifts, yes. And that yeah. tote bag. I still see that tote bag sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I, I still use that designer ashtray um for 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 weed, but <laughs> I still do use it. Um okay. What prompted Jen's move to LA in the first place? Was it for work? Um, all right, I'll answer that. Um 
My husband got a job at Grantland, if anybody remembers Grantland. And he and I, when we first got together, had kind of agreed on two things. He didn't want children, but he was open to having children. And I didn't want to move to Los Angeles, but I told him I would be open to moving to Los Angeles. And I don't think either of us were really telling the truth. Um, And then sort of the roosters came home to roost. And it was like, Mm -hmm. we had a kid and Alex was like, I have this job. We can move to LA. And I was like, okay, we'll try it for two years. That was his contract. And at that point, I knew that it would be harder to move back to New York with like a four-year-old. And I knew that life was easier out here. And so we stayed. And that's the story of that. I mean, it was also a thing of like, we got kicked out of our rent-controlled apartment in Brooklyn that we had been in for years that was like a block away from Prospect Park and beautiful. And it was like a floor through of a brownstone and the lady sold the building like two months into Charlotte being born. And we had to, and we were paying 1600 a month. Amazing. And we had to go up to $4,000 a month, I think, um, because we needed three bedrooms. And so it was just like, and we didn't like the apartment and it was just, you know, it was like, okay, well, are we going to move further into Brooklyn? Are we going to move to Jersey? And then it was like, okay, well, you got this job at Grantland. And Grantland was a big, you know, it was it's a big, big deal. Popular. It was a big deal. And um, so so we did it. Um, there was There's more on here. Kim has mentioned she had breast cancer. Would she be willing to talk about it? Should I answer that one? Yeah. Yeah. I had, I went for my um, baseline mammogram at 39 years old. I thought it was time to go do that. And they found something was very, very small, minuscule, stage one. I was super fortunate. Um, I had a lumpectomy. I had radiation. And that was my cancer journey. I really, I got super, super fortunate. I'm actually very nervous. I have a mammogram tomorrow. No fun. No fun. Mammograms are no fun. And I'm just like, I can't, I still can't believe that we have to do them. Every time I get one, and it's fast, but it's like, every time I get one, I'm just like, I mean, I know a million lady comedians have said this or men. I, I can't believe that. Like, imagine if men had to get their nuts squashed. No, it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. They would come up with a better way to do it. No, the fact that they haven't come up with a better way to do it is, 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 is kind of shocking because it does feel, I mean, the first time you ever get it done, it's like, this is barbaric. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Jen's mentioned a few times that she's overloaded with work on projects that will wrap up in the next month or so. God willing, yes. I'm also coming off a very intense period of work, and I would love to hear how you both manage transition times in your career and quite specifically what you do in those first few days and weeks of unstructured time after so much intensity. I want to get better at this part of having an episodic creative career. I mean, I feel like I, um, if I think about like what I did after getting fired from lucky, that was a very, you know, intense period. And then, I mean, I think this, this, this poster is talking about briefer cycles, but I did nothing. I did nothing. I, I, I knew what I needed at the end of that was real, um, rest. Yeah. The trick is to get, give yourself rest, but remain engaged. I think. I think that you're I think that you're exactly right about that. I think that that is precisely correct because unfortunately in the world that we're in right now, we don't actually get if you're a freelancer, you kind of always have to be thinking into the future. 
you always need to be thinking, well, what's, what am I going to do after this? Because if not, you, you, unless you can really afford to have huge lulls in not working, which I can't, you're always kind of having to think a little bit of the future. And I also think that while we, while I definitely will have some time of rest during this, after I finish these projects, there's also a bit of momentum, creative Mm -hmm. momentum. Like I kind Mm -hmm. of know what I want to work on next. And I've created a runway for myself by setting up some projects that make me money, but that aren't as creatively taxing as what I'm currently doing. So I don't want to lose the creative momentum I have. Like It's like if you don't write for four months, getting back on the horse of writing is really, really hard. It's really hard. It's Yeah. You forget. It seems harder than it is. It's just like you're you're just cold and stiff and I I don't want to be any of those things. So my plan, because I've actually been thinking about this a lot, a lot of time with friends, a lot of time talking to people, like getting myself like socially lubricated again, because Mm -hmm. I do feel like such a fucking freak because I've been working so much. So that like some, like, you know, I'll probably go to the Wii Spa in Los Angeles at least one time during the day, if not two or more, maybe some drug experiences. I don't know. A lot of reading like a lot of things that are like nurturing and fulfilling for me mm-hmm. that will start to give me some spaciousness so that I can use my brain again so it's not so fried, but not spend so much time that I'm scared to pick it up again. Yep, yep. Thanks for listening to Everything is Fine. We are your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. If you like the show, please rate and review it on all the platforms. Apple Podcasts particularly really helps people find the show. If you want to support the production of the show, we are on Patreon at patreon.com backslash everything is fine. We also have merch. You can get merch at T Public, and that is in our show notes. We have hoodies and t-shirts and totes and phone cases and so much more. If you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at EIF Podcast. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook with a private Facebook group. You can follow Kim on her blog, girlsofacertainage.com. You can find me on tinyletter.com backslash Jennifer Romolini. You can email us at everything is fine, the podcast at gmail.com. And the show is mixed and edited by the wonderful Natalie Rivera. Thank you, Natalie. And we'll talk next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 